All right, on this episode of Bare Knuckle Radio, very excited to be chatting with an individual who's set to fight at BKFC 57, which goes down on February the 2nd. We've got Brian Duran knuckling up and towing the line against Louis Lopez and Great Heaven Louis on Bare Knuckle Radio. How's your day going so far there, Louis? Oh, I'm going good, man. Everything's going just well. Just finishing up another session and just about to eat a little bit and uh, hang out and wait for, wait for tonight's session. And you've been pretty active in combat sports since your BKFC title bid with, from what I could tell, a couple MMA fights and a gloved boxing bout. But how excited are you to be getting back to BKFC competition all the same? Oh, man, it's funny you ask that. The last few fights I've had, the ones that were just kind of locally here, um, the way I performed is the way I kind of felt about the fighting on the shows of the, the smaller shows, even though that might sound a little bit, um, how can I say, uh, selfish, so that sounds a little bit arrogant, or whatever you want to call it, call it what you want to call it, but the BKFC, that stage, that's the only stage that brings out, the honestly, the real dog in me. I can, I've known by experience, and I can definitely tell now just by, just by the vibe of the, the other fights that I've had, and then the big stage with BKFC. Yeah, and it's an interesting time, because like I was seeing one of the BKFC articles you were featured in and in one of the quotes you were saying i'm not trying to show too much emotion so i can let it all out when the bell rings like it seems like i mean like you kind of just alluded to there it seems like fighting under these bright lights in front of this huge crowd big brand etc it seems like it really galvanizes you and makes you feel alive is that a fair way to characterize that dang man that's perfect yeah it really does i've never heard to use that word in that context but yeah it does it really I don't, I don't know how, you guys will see, you'll just see the different, I mean, put my tapes, put the tapes up from, in Kalispell, Montana, put the tape up from Butte, Montana, and then put the tape up for me in Hollywood, Florida, you know, you're going to tell the difference, I hate to say that, but that's how music goes too, you go to a, you go to a music, you go to a music venue, you go to a smaller show, smaller crowd, smaller performances, you go to a big arena, bigger performances, bigger crowd, bigger everything, so... Yeah, and even just the nature of this card too, with that with it being the you know massive main event that's getting a lot of attention, understandably with Luis Palomino and Austin Trout. So it seems like a you know great way to be on a huge card. Yeah. Yes, I'm I'm really excited for the main event. I mean, to fight on the same card as Luis Palomino is always always uh, it's always a pleasure. It'll be the second time I've done it. Um, he's fought some of the biggest names in, in the game, but also to fight on the same card as Austin Trout. I believe Austin Trout fought Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, no, it's incredible, man. And I was, you know, in, in, I guess in checking out rather that same article I was referencing, you were talking about how this fight is an awesome one for you. And I definitely agree with that. But I thought this phrasing was interesting where you were talking about how you were even more excited for this one than your title fight, believe it or not. Like, what is it about this fight that particularly stokes your fires to that degree, I guess? Um, just uh, the level of Brian, the way he is, and the way he's finished guys in the past, um, and just the way styles make matchups, and the way my style is, the way his style is, is a bad matchup for him. So the fact is, is if I stick to the plan, and he does his normal thing that I know that he does, then it's going to be a wrap, and it's 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 going to it's going to make me look really good because it's his five and zero guy that I'm taking out. And not only a 5-0 and o guy, but in his own home state where he's comfortable fighting. So it's going to show a lot for me if I come out victorious. If Mr. Feldman's going to be impressed, everyone's going to be impressed. I have a, few, have a strong feeling. Yeah, because this does seem like an opponent that is drumming up 
a good amount of attention, like a lot of finishes. I mean, to the scale of having a 100% finishing rate in the BKFC. So it would seem like a great opponent to get the buzz back and get the momentum back after the title bid there. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, you love to see it, man. I mean... Yeah, just a great, well-matched fight. I mean, I was definitely excited when I saw that, but I guess just getting a bit of thoughts, like kind of looking back on the featherweight title fight, like, I mean, an important historical fight in the sense of it was the inaugural title fight. I guess, what were your thoughts on the overall, like, performance and everything? I mean, obviously didn't go your way in that, like, rigid binary of a win or a loss, but, like, what lessons were learned and what was gleaned from that title fight, I guess? Oh, man, as far as lessons-wise, I've... Started a big plane driving room. I've learned, I've learned a lot of lessons since that fight, actually, inside and outside of the ring. How to take care of uh, how to take care of people, uh, the, the the crowd, the noise. How to uh, address the, the the drama that leads up to any kind of fight. How to address the business with the BKFC. It's a real business-oriented thing. It really is. Everything is uh, business with them. You got to be. You got to understand the business mindset. You can't just be a, a fighter and have a. a fighting mindset just and just aggressive the whole time you have to have some kind of business oriented um, kind of manner to you and that's what I'm starting to figure out as well and I wish I would have figured out a little bit you know prior to my title fight that that's what it took but I was just I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time it's just now I've grown a little bit and knowing that how what's good for business is is being humble and being being a, a bad man when the lights are on yeah, that's interesting. Like, I guess what imparted that lesson to you? Because, I mean, it did seem like a pretty emotionally charged back and forth, like cross-state kind of affair. Obviously, I mentioned the historical significance of it being that first ever featherweight title fight. Like, I guess what lent to that growth in mindset you were just kind of talking about there? Was it like a couple components of it, maybe? Um, it was just everything, to be honest. Um, new gyms, new coaches, new team. Um I don't know if my coach want. I, I don't know if I. Here's the thing. I don't know if I wanted to win the title as much as my. I mean, I'm call for what it's worth. I'm a realist. You know, I don't know if I wanted to win the title as much as my coach wanted me to win. That's the thing. It's like you can't force anything upon anyone in this in this game. You can't force somebody to come to the gym. You can't force. It's kind of like a, you know. It's one of those where you, you, they know where the gym's at. They know that if they don't want to be here, they don't. They're not here. That means they don't want to be here. You know, they can tell you as much as they want. But if they are not in the gym working their ass off like I am now, I'm not saying anyone, I'm just working, working, working. That means I want this fight more than anybody else. I want this fight for me. I want this win for me more than anyone else. And that's most important. I think that's gonna, what's going to lead me to victory more. And it's interesting, like just, I guess, going off your last words there, talking about what leads you to victory. I love asking fighters this because I feel like they can go in a couple directions with it like some fighters are pretty heavy into the visualization and then kind of within that they have like a reoccurring like idea of how the fight is likely to end but then some fighters kind of err on the side of not getting too caught up in the visualizing so they could be more fluid and adaptable with what happens in the fight like where are you at in that sense like are you a big visualizer or not so much um, that's funny you ask that, man. I, I, I've been really big before on that, where I just visualize the fight over and over and over. But now I've learned to just kind of do me, train a little bit, not kind of think about that stuff until, like I said in my last, you know, interview, I'm just not going to let everything flood out until after, you know, the first round and get all my shakes out and then kind of go from there. Because uh, once I get, I get past, you know, the first 30 seconds and I, I get a roll and I get my timing down, it, 
it's a it's a good show. I'm I'm on fire. I just I just need that kind of kind of spark to get me going. And it seems like you have a balanced mindset, all things considered, heading into this fight, like very focused on the opponent and looking to make, you know, a quality performance or rather generate a quality performance on such a big card and everything like that. And it seems like you also have like a good idea of just the general title picture in as far as like it seems like you obviously would enjoy a rematch. Like if you get an emphatic win here, get the Kai Stewart rematch. But it also seems like from what you've also said too, that he is kind of trying to pursue a quote unquote like big name sort of matchup. So it just seems like you have a good balanced viewpoint with how things could play out and everything. Yes, and that's what it takes. It really does take. It's all mindset. It's like when everyone says this game's 80% mental, 90%, they're true, but they got to follow up with that. you got to practice what you preach. You can't say it's 80% mental and then get out there, get touched one time and take a knee, and then that's it. You know what I mean? you gotta you got to understand that this game is this game is all mental. If you're not mentally prepared and the guy in front of you is mentally prepared, it doesn't matter how strong you are, you're going to mentally break. That's just how that's how this game is. That's how what I've noticed from my experience as well. So, and as far as the rematch goes, I uh, I really just honestly I I just want to play the cards as they come, and I just want the visit. But that was that was not who I was in the last in the title fight. That was I was fighting under other circumstances. I wasn't just I was fighting for my coach. I felt like I was it wasn't me that wanted to be in there and really really successfully win that title. So and it showed. That's 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 what you've seen. Yeah, and you you'd mentioned it a bit earlier. Like, I'm curious because it had been documented for a decent bit that you were training under Joe Riggs. Are you no longer training out of Diesel's Counterpunch MMA, and whereabouts are you now? Um, no, I'm not. Actually, I'm not training under Joe Riggs anymore. I'm training here at Electric City Boxing. I have two spots I'm training in Great Falls, Montana, at Electric City Boxing with Todd Foster, the Olympian, that has trained Billy Wagner. Billy Wagner had a few fights at the BKFC. It's Billy, I'm at, Billy's gym, Billy and Todd, we've been working for the past two months now. I got practice again tonight at 5.30. We've been doing tour days. We've been really working hard. Billy's got some stuff coming up later in this month, so everything's kind of working together. And then I drive to Missoula on Saturdays, and I train with the Dog Pound as a team that it's uh, in Missoula, Montana, kind of close to Lolo, where some of the Missoula guys are from, like Josh Wright. And um, I can't remember the other, the other guy's name from there. But uh, Missoula is a uh, really top top school here in the state, too, so I kind of just go back and forth. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like you're getting a lot of great looks there and everything like that. And, yeah, I mean, sometimes good to, you know, switch things up and stuff like that because, I mean, something else I kind of find interesting to tie into it, it seems like you also have a couple other, like, undocumented bare-knuckle fights on some of the aggregators. So just to say you've got a certain level of experience that maybe some people aren't aware of. And sometimes within that, it's like, oh, good to switch it up, maybe get some different looks. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like he's, I mean, as far as my opponent goes as well, I don't know if that's exactly what you're pinpointing, but it's like he's only had five fights. I'm not sure he's got a boxing match outside. His, but, you know, in Florida, it's easy to train there, man. It's easy. Yeah, right here, it's, it's 12 degrees. The wind's blowing. There's two and a half inches of snow out here. It's a little tougher to train where I'm at. It's super easy to train where he's at. He's had five fights um, with non-credible. I mean, not, I'm not taking away from anybody that's got some the BKFC rate, but against guys that um, I, I wouldn't say as durable as I am and as more skilled and counterfighter that I am. So um, it, it really, really, the experience is, is a lot more than you think. Um, even though he does have still something going for him that we're in his home state and that's where he's still going to stay comfortable, but still even then, 
it's not going to do much for him. Yeah, I get what you're laying down there, and I feel like I'd, you know, be remiss if I didn't, you know, touch on this as kind of like a, you know, last sort of consideration here, because I guess in doing my backgrounding on you, I was noticing that, you know, your dad has a taco shop, Ninth Street Taco Shop. Is that kind of the post-fight meal plan? Is that kind of the vibe, or what are we thinking? Oh, yeah, yeah, my dad has the best tacos in the town, is what people say. He just moved up here a couple couple months ago. He's only been open a few months, but, yeah, well, he's straight, we're, I mean, he's straight, we're straight, he's from Ensenada. We're from San Diego. I only lived in Montana since I was 15. We're from San Diego. I grew up in National City. I grew up wearing uniform to school. I grew up, yeah, we're, yeah, I had to wear a uniform to school. My brother, where you had to wear navy blue pants and a white collared shirt. And yeah. I didn't know why until I got older. And I figured out why when my dad moved me out of there. So he moved me to Montana when we were about 15 or 16. And then he kind of went from there trying to open up his business. Everything was a lot more costly here than it is in California. So he was able to get it done. Yeah, I went to a uniform school too. You weren't digging the vibe there so much? Oh, really? When I moved to Montana, I was like, holy, when I moved to high school, I was like, Dad, everybody's wearing their own clothes to school. This is so crazy. You can wear your own clothes here. And they're like, yeah, what the heck? Yeah, we did like these things called non-uniform days every now and again. It's like, oh, we get one day to express ourselves. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's funny. Yeah, no, interesting times for sure. Glad I can lead a life now where I can wear whatever I want. But you've been good with your time, Louie, and yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt, man. But you've been really good with your time and a lot of great insights throughout this chat. Been wanting to have you on the show for a bit now. But I guess in saying all that, I'm curious if maybe you have a final parting thought as we're wrapping up here, man. Um, I just want, not really, honestly. I really didn't think of it. I mean, if it's anything, I just want the people to know that I want to know that, uh, that I'm coming in strong. I'm keeping my head forward. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the prize. Um, I'm really, really, really aware of who I let in my surroundings. Uh, my boundaries are set real high this year. I don't mean to sit here and say new year, new me, but I set boundaries that I've never set at all ever in my life, um, even before this year. So it's not even a year, New Year's resolution. So I've set boundaries. Now who I'm. It's it's all who that is in your crowd when you're in this fighting and you're at this high level because of the attention you're getting. It's a really crazy thing. You wouldn't think about it, but everybody wants to be your friend. Everybody, you'll see a lot of fake people trying to trying to glue up next to you once you're rising. It's a weird thing. So I've kind of set up these crazy boundaries, and I just want everyone to know that this is the real me. Starting of this year, my performance February second is going to be one. It's going to be fight of the year already in the second month of the year. Yeah, I mean, that's an exciting prospect, just like this package you're looking to bring to the table and just what you've been able to do against the best in your division. Just, yeah, really excited to see this next permutation of what, you know, Louis Lopez brings to the table and great BKFC 57 card overall, man. So stoked for that on February 2nd. But thanks for coming on Bare Knuckle Radio and you have a good rest of your day, man. Hey, thank you, Dylan. You guys have a good day. I love you all. Thank you.